Hello, and welcome to the Paint of Red Quarterly Slush Pile. We're so glad you're listening in, and what you're listening to is an example of what our normal editorial meetings are like. Um, so what we're going to be doing is discussing a uh, piece that a writer has generously allowed us to discuss on an episode. And, um, and yeah, the editorial board is here, and we will be, some, some of us, many of us, and we will be um, discussing it just like we do at our own editorial meetings. So um, without further ado, I guess we'll do the rounds of introductions. So I am Kathleen Volk Miller, and I'm a professor at Drexel University, when Drexel University is open, I guess even when it's not. Um, <laughs> and um, I'm at my brother's place in Lidditz, Pennsylvania. So I'm literally sitting in a window looking at beautiful spring blossoms and a field, um, which is what it's like out here in Lidditz. And um, I will bounce it all the way over to Marion Wren. Hi, everybody. Um, Marion Wren over here, way over in Abu Dhabi, where it's um, almost early evening and the sun's about to set, and Ramadan Kareem. And I'm going to bounce it over to Addison. Addison unmuted himself uh, from West Philadelphia. Uh, it's looking a lot bluer, like good sky, sky blue, um, looking a lot bluer out there than this weekend. All right. Bounce it, Addison. Bouncing it to the KGB bar. <laughs> it's uh, Jason Schneiderman. I am not actually the KGB bar, but I host, um, I'm one of the hosts of a Monday night reading series at KGB. And if I forget, <laughs> I, I come back, my Zoom remembers. Um, and signs me into things as KGP bar, which was a problem when I went to my Russian language exchange. I did get kicked out <laughs> when I tried to sign into my Russian language exchange as KGP bar. Um, and I am not in Brooklyn today. I am in Ossining at the Bethany Arts Colony, um, working on a book and being all secluded and sequestered and all cloistered. Right, really? Yeah, it's the Bethany Arts, um, Bethany Arts community. Check it out. It's really fun. Very cool. Um, and I will bounce it to Samantha. Hi, everyone. Um, I am uh, in New Jersey today in uh, Washington Township in my best friend's house. And I am so excited to be here to talk about poetry. And I will pass it to Gabby. Hi, I'm Gabby. Um, I'm the co-op for PBQ and I'm somewhere in Powelton. I'm not really sure. I'm really bad with uh, location, but it's a very beautiful day outside and I'm excited to be here to talk about our materials today. We're excited to have you. Gabby, yeah, bounce it to Alex. Bounce it to Alex. <laughs> <laughs> you need to say the words or it won't yeah. work. Something will yeah, go wrong the whole, the whole podcast. I'm Alex. I'm in Long Island. It's sunny out. I'm having my coffee. It's good. Am I passing? Is anybody out? We're passing in anybody else? Are we just making sure? Don't want to exclude anybody. Well, we should say hi to uh, Larissa, yeah. hi, Larissa and Kate Wagner, our wonderful, intrepid. Um, team that is our, our sound engineering team. Hi, Kate. Yes. 
Hi, uh, this is Larissa, and I was muted because it would be a faux pas for a sound engineer to be chewing her breakfast while recording. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am in West Philly, and this is the last day I'm working until I go on vacation to Asheville, North Carolina tomorrow. <laughs> oh, cool. Okay, that what or who is in Asheville? Um, I do have friends there, um, and I was going to be going with my partner, but he has COVID, so now I'm going by myself. <laughs> Oh, I'm so sorry. Marissa. Sorry. But it's fine. I'm taking my dog, so I won't be totally lonely. That sucks. And I will bounce it to Kate. Hi. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm in Philly today. Um, I never know what else to say when I introduce myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's good to have you here with us. Um, we have a, a fun little combo here. We have a one-two of home and a piece of flash fiction, both from Emily Kingery. And um, we really uh, enjoyed her work at a different editorial meeting and thought that these might be great for the podcast today. Um, so I think we're going to start with the poem. Uh, so thank you so much, Emily Kingery, for allowing us to do this. And we're going to start with Dirtbag Wilderness. Who's going to volunteer? Can I read it? I would love for you to read it, Mayor. I, I, I really want to read it. It's, um, it's, it's, it's a long, skinny poem, slushies. So when you look at it on our show notes, um, you will see what I mean. And I'm just going to make it bigger because, you know, um, women of a certain age with a certain pair of spectacles can't <laughs> see the writing anymore. <laughs> Dirtbag wilderness. Our dirt bags. Our dirt bags were medicine men. They spoke as oracles, capped bottles, skated razor blades across the glass of pictures. It's just like shoveling snow, laughed our dirt bags as they unburied their parents' faces, like raking leaves want to try. We watched their hands swap bills, our eyes the wrong kind of wild. Our dirt bags laughed. You can sit with us while we finish. This was intimacy our sitting, their finishing. We laughed, we returned frames to their shelves. We bought shadows dark and lip stains darker. Darker, said our dirt bags, damp on basement couches. We envied in secret the laughs of bright girls, high as their hair pinned in hard, slick curls. They spun like acrobats in the high school gym, strobing in glitz, we were disallowed. Bitches spat our dirt bags, skanks, whichever words coaxed our laughter. We swallowed them like expectorant and laughed in wet coughs under canopies of parking lot trees. Our arms crossed as though coffined already. We rolled in our dirt bags scent like hunting dogs, napped in stuffy rooms as their hands, their hands blessed guns, made backpacks heavy with Ziploc holly. Holy, ah, Larissa. <laughs> Noted. Right, right there, all right? So I'm gonna take it back to, we rolled in our dirt bags scent like hunting dogs napped in stuffy rooms as their hands, their hands blessed guns, made backpacks heavy with Ziploc holy. It's all good, laughed our dirt bags. Our hips, our ponytails swayed easy as leaves. 
By summer, our dirt bags wore sly deep pockets, weighed powders, held capsules to the light under a jeweler's loop. The car windows glided, phones lit up like lightning bugs on the shoulders of gravel roads, such soft light, light of vigils, light the yellow of a forgiven bruise. We rode to neighborhood, neighboring towns of missing teeth and needles. We cried in bathrooms far from home. We were home when we laughed. When we laughed, we laughed ever clear vomit. But our dirt bags, our dirt bags let us sit while they finished and their hands were warm as stones pressing us to sleep. Ooh, thank you. All right. So now, slushies, you will hear the sound of thinking. <laughs> Not much while we process this. Uh, feel free to go to the website, pbqmag.org, and look at this long, skinny poem written in couplets and see what you think, what we think. I have to say, I was so amazed. It took me a while, it took me a number of readings before I realized that that opening section was about doing coke yeah. and watching them like, you know, and, and it's so subtle. Um, it's just like shoveling snow, razor blades, a glass, a glass of pictures. Um, it, I mean, it goes on for so long without ever saying quite what it is, but making it so clear once you see it. It's really impressed by that. I thought, I thought that was pretty amazing. I, I love as they unburied their parents' faces. Oh, I do too. I'm so glad you said that because it's the literal is like moving the coke across the framed picture and unburying the parents' faces. Right. At the same, but at the same time, it was like I don't know. My metaphor mind was like they become hollowed out and they look more like their parents, like in the act of doing mm -hmm. this thing. Like mm -hmm. you know, it was, yeah. it's just such a specific and lovely description yeah like raking leaves our eyes the wrong kind of wild yeah and, and the description is all building up the kind of domestic the sort of suburban the familial while the action that's underneath it is is dissolving that right the action underneath it is completely threatening all of these ties all of these structures all of these spaces yeah and, and it calls to such a like specific time period too, like just the fine details. So it's like, or I mean, at least like it, for Americans, this calls to mind a certain like time period, like just a decade ago. I feel like it's it's MySpace. It's seen in quotes, kids. It's like not quite goth, but in in that area, like there's, a, um sociological like goth and like how that grew from the 80s and all that but this is very like 2000s that's funny that you said that because skank what are the names they call it oh bitches and skanks i wondered what era that was recalling i mean my era certainly used skank you know and i thought hmm is that is that a long lasting words yeah you know how, how many, you know, i didn't I wondered if, if people would all relate as to their time. Yeah, Addison? Um, for me, that word really calls back to uh, Kevin Smith movies and Jason Mewes in particular, um, calling people bitches and skanks uh, while being a drug dealer. 
Um, <laughs> so definitely 90s um, and I suppose 80s too because that's where anyone would have grown up doing it. Um, I thought it was funny that you said 10 years ago but then harkens back to the 2000s oh. and it's just like, <laughs> so far from 2000 and it's like I don't get it either because um, the 70s that was only like 30 years ago right? Right. Um, I really like this the way it painted a picture of just a whole um, a whole basement really. Great. Um, <laughs> whole culture right yeah. and like I don't feel like I knew anybody exactly like this but I feel like I knew people that maybe grew into this mm -hmm. yeah. well I think these are the people I was trying to avoid because they were the danger zone like these are the people who like if you spend time with them they're going to suck you into mm -hmm. you know you're going to and you're not going to end up you know, if this, if, if I think we're all saying that this brings us back to when we were roughly in high school, and uh -huh. that that decade seems to float a little bit depending on <laughs> which of us is speaking. Well, that's great, um, right? Yeah. I just forgot when the two were, so. Yeah, that, that, this is, that this is kind of um, that high school experience where your life is someone else's, that you're kind of born into something and you're living through, and then you're kind of on the cusp of where you go into the world. And these are the people who are making the bad decisions. <laughs> these are the people who are hanging out with dirt bags because they get to make them feel older. They get to make them feel ready. They get to make them feel in the world in a way that you're like, oh no, that, that's, that's the wrong way to be. Uh, so yeah, so I, I I think I also like like part of that high school thing or that that decade is that is that kind of you know who am I going to be in the world and who will let me do that? Yep, Jason, well said. And I think this poem does that so beautifully in in so many different ways. And one of them I want to point to is about like again, it's my it's the poem is saying one thing, but my metaphor mind takes it another place. The line is. Um, uh, we laughed, we returned frames to their shelves, and then the next stanza, we bought shadows dark and lip stains darker, darker, said our dirt bags, damp on basement couches, right? And it's the shadows dark and lip stains darker, like, you know, I'm, I'm almost thinking, like, is this, like, some sort of, like, overwritten emphasis on the shadows right like in, in people's characters or something but it's actually eyeshadow so shadows dark and lip stains darker it's like eyeshadow and lipstick is actually being pointed out as like the very the, the, the point of exchange with with your dirt bag your dirt bag likes your your dark lip gloss and your dark eyeshadow right and yet it's also like Hell yeah, there's a lot of shadows in that basement. There's a whole shit ton of shadows that you're negotiating with in this moment, right? So. Yeah, I think um, the the word that comes to mind when I read this is, is uncanny because there's all these kind of familiar um, places and objects of like tweenhood or like young teenhood that feel so familiar yet they're they're all kind of laced with this darkness like they're like even the the canopy of trees over the parking lot has some kind of ominous feel to it and then you have like the coffined way they're standing and then and then of course once once you understand the beginning part um it's it's very it's very strange and eerie um despite you know all those familiar objects like the the couches and such um 
And then I just wanted to say also that um, what's interesting about this is like the dirt bags are sort of presented as this alternative to, to the popular people. And yet they're kind of like both on these extremes, right? And I think it was, it was, I think it was Jason or someone who said that like, like you're trying to navigate like where to be so that you can sort of survive. And yet, like, it seems like that these people have somehow gone too far out of these, like, kind of girls with the shellacked hair being thrown in the air. Um, so I, I think this is just wonderful. I feel like this poem wouldn't have worked if the author didn't choose exactly the right word. And I feel like Dirtbag says so much, like... It, it says something about what they're doing, but they're still like in the area lovable, at least for this like recourse that's presenting this landscape. Green. Like, like it couldn't be the asshole wilderness or something like that. Like it, it had to be dirt bag. Like it, it, dirt bag is very specific, like of capturing like how uh, the we in this poem kind of like feels about them like they know <laughs> they're all the way out in left field but they took them in in a way still so there's still the like some affection for them yeah also i mean and the dirt bag kind of mirrors the bag of coke <laughs> so like there's this way in which just just the word bag and dirt bag is always kind of bringing right. you back to these sacks of powdery drugs but the nuance of asshole versus dirtbag. I mean, you're absolutely right. Le mot juste, right, Alex? Like, <laughs> dirtbag is the word. Depending on the, who's the poet, asshole wilderness is a completely different poem, but. <laughs> I'd like to point out something that I know that you've all seen. I just wanted, I wanted to say this on, on the episode. What I also love about this poem are some of the images are so beautiful and then some are so repulsive viscerally so visceral they are repulsive right like she can say things like such soft light light of vigils light the yellow of a forgiven bruise right and she can also say when we laughed we laughed ever clear vomit mm -hmm. you know and the wet cough and all of that it's um I think you know and I think I'd also like to know because it relates to what we're talking about about how you know, the, all these teen tropes of everybody finding their tribe um, or whatever label it is in high school, maybe trying on a few labels in high school. This poem also for me really illustrates how you can talk about the universal with such specificity that becomes universal, right? Mm -hmm. And become universal and timeless. And the editor on PBQ who called this to our attention as a look at this poem is 22, mm -hmm. right? She's a, a guest editor from Writer's Room and she was the one who said, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta. So how about that, right? Talking about, we probably have every decade represented in our group, you know? So that's pretty awesome, I think. Hmm. Hmm. I was going to say, actually, I, I didn't love Everclear Vomit. Like, that was actually a little too, like, it, it, everything had been so, um, everything had been so gestured. And yeah. then Everclear Vomit was like a little, I was like, no, I was like, well, well I can't, I, but see, I'm, that's what I'm saying, the juxtaposition of Everclear Vomit against 
the other gestured lines I thought was kind of cool. You know, you've got all these softer images and or language, strobing and glitz, we were disallowed. You know, mm -hmm. there's and then you get Everclear vomit too. <laughs> it, it seemed like reality to get the Everclear vomit in there. Yeah, I like, I, you know, it is all the registers, right? Except for full disclosure. Have I ever had, I don't think I've ever had Everclear. Like if I ever had Everclear. You have had Everclear when you had my various cellos. Oh, you might've had it unknowingly. Some, <laughs> some bunch at some point probably had Everclear. Thank you. Well, you Great. listen to the band. You listen to the band Everclear. Everclear. That's it. <laughs> yeah. my, my sentimental education. Thank you, PBQ. I appreciate everybody keeping an eye out for my well-being. <laughs> well, Does anybody want to point out the irony of the KGB bar not liking the Everclear reference? <laughs> <laughs> Would it be better if it was some kind of potato vodka? <laughs> right. <laughs> Potato vodka is very good, uh, and I highly recommend that. There's a, there's a longer story about it, but a very very good white Russian that I made in Siberia. The <laughs> drink, not the ethnicity, but um, yeah, no, I mean it was it was, it was the white it, drink. <laughs> if, if I start telling that story, we'll never get back. <laughs> That'll be in our extras. Right. <laughs> we'll <be> in <laughs> Yeah, so I guess the last thing um, is maybe also the first thing I want to talk to you about with you y'all and which it's the layout of the poem, right? The very deliberate choice that it's this long, skinny sort of, um, you know, line on, on, on the blank page, but it's couplets, right? So um, as a reader, those couplets actually helped me to, to speak it, right? And it, it both like, coached me into into the narrative but also was a little mystifying like I wasn't sure what was happening because of the the way the couplets were suspending me and their and the breaks between the, the stanzas I don't know what you all thought about that I thought it was really expansive I mean usually when I see a short line I expect a short poem Mm -hmm. And so to have a poem this long with such a short line, but so well sustained, because the hard thing about a short line is that you have to shape the line to the syntax and the syntax to the line. They have to be in tension with each other. And that can be really hard to do, you know, when you're getting to page three and page four. Um, and I thought it was done really, really well here and that it creates that kind of tension between that really expansive forward motion, but also this kind of really tight space in which the um, speech is so carefully parsed by the really short line. So, so Gabby, do you have anything to add? Um, yeah, sorry, I've just been kind of like silent observer over here. That's your first time. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, on our first read of this, I didn't have too many thoughts, but going over it with everyone else and seeing it now, it's kind of like all the stuff that we've said of seeing like this idea of like early 2000s kind of movies of seeing drug dealers and everything. And the one thing I thought was interesting was just like the idea that this narrative is coming from the perspective of like the woman that's sort of always the accessory 
the, like the drug dealer essentially mm-hmm. and kind of like not that I would say that there's any like necessary nurturing in here but the idea of like them putting the frames back on the shelves and like them being around to like see everything and even just the kind of I don't know the the one line that I keep coming back to was this was intimacy are sitting they're finishing mm-hmm. and just the very like I don't know like just the just the way that they are an accessory to them and then I think the reason that I kind of liked the Everclear vomit bit <laughs> was because it was the first time that it seemed like they were actually doing anything. And I think that's what made it so striking of like a line because like before it was just laughing, but this was like the one clear action that they actually seemed to do. And it just kind of proved to me that it's not, that they were there. I don't know, I, I yeah. <laughs> I think you're absolutely right that like through all of the original scenes, like they're just watching them do all this coke and they're watching them do all these things. And the most active thing they do is put on makeup. And that, yeah, the Everclear indicates an implication that hasn't been there before. Yeah. I'm, I'm well, sorry. they also cry in bathrooms far from home. Am I not, am I the only one who sees a blowjob in this poem? Where? <laughs> do tell, do tell, where's there a blowjob? Wait a second, wait a second. All right, Gabby, now well, you're making me rethink this. So look, look <laughs> at the lines. Um, all right, uh, bitches spat our dirtbags, skanks, whichever words coaxed our laughter. Oh, it's words. We swallowed them like expectorant and laughed in wet coughs under canopy of parking lot trees. They're swallowing words. I thought it told it was a blowjob. Well, I don't okay. think that's a bad reading. <laughs> Honestly, I thought the like our sitting there finishing was kind of like a blowjob reference or like something like that. Or exactly. right. sex at least. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. 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 Well, how about rolling around like in their scent? Where's that? We rolled in our dirt bag scent like hunting dogs. Right. Yeah. Well, anyway, there's a lot here. There's more action than we thought. Lots going on. <laughs> um, I think we probably could talk about it all day, but I think we have zero dramatic tension. <laughs> in our, not yeah. in the poem, but in our editorial <laughs> response. Uh, shall we vote? Let us. Let Throw us. Throw the thumbs. Okay. Flipping thumbs. Here we go. One, two, three. Vote. And it's unanimous. Thank you, Emily Kingery. Thank you so much. That was a blast. That was so much fun to talk about. Dirtbags. Dirtbag Wilderness. Dirtbags. Let's make that movie, Dirtbag Wilderness. It's a good movie title. I would like, can I be a waitress in a diner? Can I just have like one of those cameos in the film? (laughs) Well, Marion has already played a waitress in a movie, and Marion has an IMDb page for yeah. her role. Well, well, okay, it's my turn then. That's all right. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Great. All right. So now we have a piece of flash uh, from the same author. It's called Funeral for a Cat. And it's certainly short enough that we should read it. And I think Alex is volunteering up there. Woohoo. Sorry, I just I thought of Elton John's funeral for a friend as I as I first saw the poem, but 
no relation apologies mm -hmm. okay uh, <clears throat> funeral for a cat when the cat was killed by a driver in a tragic hit and run the dirt bike kid watched it happen he screamed to gather us to our carcass pumpkin he pedaled hard around the block pumpkin is dead i was afraid to tell dad at first he went outside shovel pumpkin into a grocery bag and dug a hole under a lilac bush. It was too late in the season for flowers, but he said they, but he said they would bloom next year. A small truth sounding like kindness. The kids begged him for a real funeral to say goodbye. He smiled a little, but not at them, and had a circle of the grave and hold each other's sweaty hands while he prayed. It was a test. The dirt bike kid and the girls with yards of upside down toys wept for the cat loose with their sadness. The street lights flickered on and I was afraid of dad again. I tried not to picture pumpkin with halo with a halo and wings, but I failed. I begged God to forgive me for it, then tried not to picture God as a cat shaking its head at my blasphemy, then prayed not to cry as the cats kept coming. I missed the amen, but I held out. I passed. After the funeral, dad said I was so grown up not weeping over a cat that didn't belong to anyone, not to the neighborhood, not even God. He prayed over hamsters in the years to follow, maybe a second cat. He prayed and I grew into a tragic feral thing. Thank you. Nicely read, Alex. Pumpkin's dead. I can just hear it. <laughs> you know what I think of? It's like a weird, not a weird, apologies for the word. But I think it's like a, an emotional version of Pet Cemetery is coming into my head. Like she became the cat. The cat came back. Well, I, I, the, the part that really I, I fell in love with was um, I tried not to picture pumpkin with a halo and wings, but failed. And this kind yeah. of theology of animals not having souls. And so like, do you remember the episode of The Simpsons where Bart like drives this Sunday school teacher crazy by asking questions about heaven um, and particularly about animals in heaven. And like, like this sort of like the, the imagination that can't be stopped right? The imagination that, that's trying to be reined in and just keeps getting wilder and wilder, but because the imagination is theological, as it gets to like cat angels and cat gods, that even the act of like reining it back, because only humans have souls, right? Um, in Christian theology, um, you know, like just keeps taking her to these like weirder and weirder places. And I almost wanted to kind of like that to be all of the poem. <laughs> like that was so much fun. Mm -hmm. I, I love not understanding. He smiled a little bit, not at them. At the rest of the line, and then it was a test. Not knowing what the test was until the next stanza. Like, I didn't know exactly what the test was, you know? And then it was that the son wouldn't be emotional because the cat was just a cat, not God's, right? I, I loved finding that out. I, I did want more about the dad. Like there's there's all this sort of suggestion 
about the dad being really scary. Um, and I kind of wanted to have that fleshed out a little bit. It, it might be like really obvious to some people in certain community, like they grew up in a certain community where the father is like God in the house. Like I'm thinking kind of of evangelical or somewhere within that umbrella, there's a real paternalistic back of the hand. Cut this out if it's too much. Um, you know. oh, you're describing patriarchy. Yeah. <laughs> you're on safe ground. Yeah. Um, so like when it ties into the cat not having a soul and like you might get beat for that kind of thing. I mean, that's where my head went immediately. I'm just like, this is a far too religious of a family or father. Yeah. It's a little yeah. bit of a psychopath I, I, for that smile. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. Go, Mary. No, I was just going to say that's a great like detail that it, there's a, a like a, a very dangerous quality to that dad. It feels a little bit like a, a sort of um, malevolent psychopath on that smile. Like the smile is such a like, it's like a come here, I dare you, I dare you, just give me a reason, right? Is, um, <laughs> well, even yeah, I, I, Jason, I disagree with you that I needed more like dad is evil enough to me right here that the man would go through this charade. What, what, how does he, you know, because those kind of people are often hypocritical. Larissa, you can also cut that if you need to, but, you know, the hypocrisy of the, the charade of the, the faux prayer for the cat when he doesn't believe it for a second, you know, and it is only doing, he is only doing it to test his own child. That's pretty scary. Did you know? the dad run over the cat? That's what I thought. Uh, it's a tragic hit and run, and they're afraid to tell dad. So I don't and the, believe so, Addison. Yeah, and the dirt bike kid watched it happen. So he probably would have said, What did he dad killed the cat? The dad <laughs> killed the cat. Pumpkin's dead and dad died. Would he have done it this day? <laughs> right, right. And it was Mr. He seems more Butler. concerned about pumpkin. Like he was just in shock that a cat exploded in front of him. Well, yeah, you know what? There's, there is. I got a little tripped up. Like this the so smile is what really made me think this dad killed the cat. <laughs> well, what's I? I don't. I got tripped up on the fact that the voice says, "Well, the dad said, you know, whatever. He's not the neighborhood's cat. He's not the." He's not even of God. He belongs to nobody, but they, it had a name. Yeah. Why would it be pumpkin if it wasn't at least a neighborhood cat? Why is it pumpkin then? It's a it neighborhood is. street cat, I guess. No, but still, it doesn't mean it's the neighborhood's cat. Like everybody knew pumpkin. You know, if the kid can take off on the bike and go pumpkin, pumpkin, you know, like everybody knows, knows who pumpkin is. So I, I did think, huh. I thought it was a neighborhood cat when we got to the part where it didn't belong. Um, but dad said it, so maybe that's why the problem is. The kids yeah. are It'd just be dad. dad's a son of a bitch. Right, the kids are well, is. And I think that that's part of the, the, the sort of like fist grip that the, that the piece winds up taking. It's like that last line about like, I grew up to be a tragic feral thing. It's not unlike pumpkin. You got a name, but it's basically through the benign neglect at best of a neighborhood that you're surviving, like this, this, this speaker is in a family situation where 
the kind of psychological torture of, of a father who is daring you to have an emotion around a, a dead animal is that's horrifying. Right. And so I, at first I actually thought that the, he prayed over hamsters in the years to follow. Right. Um, was, was like a step too much, but that's because I didn't fully understand what you all seem to have grasped about like that in Christian theology, animals don't have souls, right. That that's the dare, right. That the, the father is testing the belief in the child. I didn't, I just thought the dad was nuts and mean. You know what I really can remember when our dog got hit by a car and killed. Oh, jeez. And, and my family allowed themselves to really grieve. And like, even that Sunday after church at grandma's, the cousins, the aunts, everybody greeted us with tears and open arms, you know what I mean, At, for this loss. And I do remember thinking, um, I wonder why we're allowed to be this sad. You know, you know what I mean? Because I was supposed to think that the dog didn't have a soul or wouldn't be, you know, or wasn't, I don't know. I remember that. All tied up in this Catholicism stuff. But that, that helps me though, because again, I keep saying like the, the tightness, like it's like some, like a turn, like there's a, it just feels like relentless the way this poem sort of screws into that, the dare at a funeral, like the parental dare. It's, it's, it's a nasty parenting moment. It's a terrible test. Yeah, it's really an awful thing. Yeah. It's an yeah. awful thing. But no wonder this person grows into a tragic feral thing. Like the speaker, like, yeah. Perfect. Yes. Yes. I get it. I get why you would. Right. I think there's something that's like, like Kathy, you were talking about like the hypocrisy of this and the hypocrisy of like finding this religious element. And I think that it just goes to show like the, the way that the dad is thinking about this in the saying, like in the, uh, where is it? I missed the amen, but held out. I passed it's not even about like actually completing the prayer and it's not even really about like believing it. It's just about the dad being able to see like, I, I'm and the assumption that this is like a son or whatever. I don't know why I think that, but I think it's just the element of repressing, pre repressing emotions. Uh -huh. But I just thought that was like very interesting because there is this religious element and there is this religious trauma mm -hmm. and it always just comes back to the matter of like control rather than like, really thinking about the, the real notion of faith or belief. Yeah, and we should point this out. This is kind of like my family, what I was talking about, the girls with yards of upside down toys. You know, Catholics do a lot of that stuff, right? Uh, there's a certain statue you bury in your yard upside down if you wanna sell your house. There's, you know, all that, um, what is that called? You know, Catholics love their objects. They put a lot of power in scapulas and crucifixes and statues. Idol worship. Yeah, yeah. And so these girls- Hey, Martin Luther. <laughs> these girls are crying so hard, but they come from old school Catholicism. Right? Can I right? say, I got A, I don't know if it's because I watched All Dogs Go to Heaven 1 and 2. It's <laughs> Reese Lutheran that this is like flew over my head, all yeah. this. But it's yeah. like, I, my church was next to Notre Dame and one time like somebody came in for mass and got confused like we don't have mass there's not that many people showing up at <laughs> even for Christmas but 
Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. There's a lot in here. I didn't even realize. (laughs) Something um, that I thought about, uh, I attended Catholic school for most of my early life and I'm raised Catholic is the, um, what would happen every fall is we would have like the blessing of the animals um, Mm -hmm. on St. Francis of Assisi day. And I feel like when I was a child, um, I had no concept of the idea that animals did not have souls. And I, and I, and I learned that later. And then there was this, this, this problem I had with that idea of blessing the animals in this like show kind of, of, um, of faith and of like kindness and, um, of power. Um, and, and it was really, it, I struggled with it because of the fact that if the animal didn't have a soul anyway. Um, and then I think uh, what made me think about this with this poem was this idea of um, that smile really reminded me of that and how some of the kids or the dirt bike kids could be comforted by that like kind of blessing idea, but the, the, but the father has kind of this secret knowledge um, that he is like unwilling to share like at that moment with the whole group. What, I, uh, to be honest, I was today years old when I found out that animals don't have souls. Well, I, um, I, should, I should clarify because I've, I've been checking myself on this. I was like, oh, am, am I right about this? So John, John Paul II, Pope John Paul II said that animals do have souls, but here's the thing, they can't go to heaven. Um, that animals and plants have souls that are not eternal. They return to the earth. life force, but there it's, it, I know, and you're sort of like, well, that's not really a soul, is it? But, um, I heard, yeah, and I've heard it described as like, they're, they're not rational. Like the soul is like mixed with rationality. So crows have souls. They have souls, but upon their death, the soul evaporates. They don't go to heaven. They just, they do just, they're just over. See, I was just imagining a dog park at just outside of heaven for some reason. <laughs> but CatholicAnswers.com literally says there is no doggy heaven. Right. Okay. So, you know what, though, like, I love that this, this piece of flash, though, is like the opposite of this desire to believe that they do, right? Like, that is in the yeah. reader, right? Or this just presumption that they do, which is in this reader. Like, I just, I don't think I ever paid attention to the rules, right, around who gets access and who turns into a spoof of, or a mist of crow soul. Um, so that said, I didn't even see the toys in the yard as a Catholic reference. I just thought it meant something about like their, the bougie neighborhood, right? Like it's just like kids with upside down toys in the yard, right? So it's, it's amazing that you can sit with this piece and then and just pull the threads and see how the, the, that religious pattern is built into this, which maybe is part of why it feels so tight in that painful dare um, on the father's side, right? To test, test, test. It's it's wonderful really that the toys work that way too. Upside down toys just shows a certain kind of neglect or recklessness, right? It works if it's just tossed about toys, you know? But but also a kind of freedom, also a kind of excess, also a kind of like, um, there's, there's to me a kind of joy in the abandoned toys that you just kind of play with and then leave where they are. Right, and those girls are crying. Yeah. yeah. Not They're the losing part, their feeling. Not the child with the austere life, right? Yeah. yeah. Do we think a dirt bike kid becomes the dirt bag? In the- <laughs> 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 no, I'm kidding. I just thought it was. 
like the I just like the image of the dirt bike kid because it's yeah. like oh okay all right this was the moment Alex Pumpkin yeah died and he never came back <laughs> do, do people still have dirt bikes I mean I I do associate dirt bikes with the 1980s like I, I'm yes it, it's, dirt bikes? it's totally yeah. other bikes yeah that's okay. they're it's real like motorized or this kid had a pedal dirt bike yeah yeah okay you know they just have the thicker tires yeah, the thick yeah. tires yeah okay, okay. yeah people, not, no, like a, yeah like right. this is not a mountain bike <laughs> In North in North Philly and Northeast Philly right now, we have a lot of like quad bikes in the streets, which yeah, those are is awesome. really it's really startling. I'm like, how many wheels like, does a quad around. bike yeah. have? <laughs> what was that? How many wheels does a quad bike have? Four. No, it's not a bike. Four. No, it's not a bike. Oh. It's oh, a bicycle. The utility reminds me of a bike. Like, I don't think people are going like really long distance. <laughs> <laughs> and if you've been in West Philly, you know that there are also still two wheeled dirt bikes all over the place, just like the quad. Yeah. And probably in North Philly too. Yeah, that's why I was saying. We definitely have dirt bikes out here. Yeah. yeah. I might hear one right now. That's oh, actually yeah. what marks the beginning of summer in West Philadelphia. Yeah. And that's <laughs> people have been riding about a dirt in just Jersey now, too. There's a lot of people come ride, or I don't know if they come ride in Jersey or if Jersey people are getting them, but I'm seeing them too more and more. So, anyway, anyway, I think that we probably are ready to vote. Mm -hmm. um, all right. Let's do it. We're going to flip thumbs again for Emily Kingery's funeral for a cat. One, two, three, vote. And it's in. It's in. Woohoo! Woo! Go, Yay. Emily. Thank you, Emily, for your your dirt bike kid and your dirt bag poem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Seriously, this was great. This is great fun um, to talk about and thank you so much for submitting and then allowing us to talk about it on the show. So um, slushies, please let us know how we're doing. Follow us on the Insta. Um, we tweet every now and then as well. And um, uh, subscribe if you haven't. Tell your friends if you haven't. Rank us highly if you haven't. Um, does anybody have anything else to say? Um, just that slushies should link to all of Emily's social media, right? You'll find links to her stuff in the show notes too. And if you like the sound of these poems, uh, or rather this poem and this piece of flash, go find more. She's a pretty amazing poet. Yeah, and yeah, writer. Absolutely. All right. All right. Thank you, everybody. Keep reading. Yay.